and welcome to the New Day podcast, where we talk about life and how to deal with what it's throwing at us. I'm Ian Newland, a learning and development nerd here in Salt Lake City, Utah, with passions about communication and sharing what I find on my road to Zen. With me as always... I'm Angela. I am simply a business owner, grandma, mom, and passionate about sharing my journey through life with others. This week, we actually have, I mean, it's our first week back, first <laughs> sure. of all, and uh, hi, everybody. We're glad to be back. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some interesting oh. off weeks. Yes, we have. We have a special guest. Angela texted me last night <laughs> and was like, hey, guess who's in town? <laughs> our first ever international guest and listener. True. Jerem. Hello, everybody. From Brazil. Jerem, living in Brazil. Living in Brazil, back up South America for the summer. Now, do you come up every summer or is it a couple trips or? It's never really planned. It's just when I need to come up. Okay. Um, two or three times a year on average. So sometimes I'm here in the winter, sometimes in the spring, usually sometime in the summer as well. Okay. Sure. It seemed like it was, uh, yeah. I, nobody ever I knew up, where you were. Yeah, but. Last, <laughs> last year I came up in July. I was right in the middle of the pandemic. Kind of weird. Yeah, I wasn't I'm even sure, sure how sure. travel was going to work. But the airplane was empty and I had all the seats to myself. So that was awesome. That's always nice. And then I came back in the end of October and part of November. Oh, okay. Nice. Now it's been, what, six months, I think. I've been okay. back. going to say, I remember last summer, the, the joke was nobody knew where you were at because you were just like running around in the mountains nonstop. So. I know. I feel like there should be, you should have a social media page. Where in the world is Jerem? <laughs> or at least we're in the mountains. Exactly. What marathon is he running this week? Let's actually talk about that. What brought you back this trip, Jerem? Two things. Well, the main reason I came back is in July, I'm going to crewing and pacing a lady from New York who's running the Badwater 135 Ultra Marathon in Death Valley. Oh, wow. And I was planning on just coming up July just for that race and maybe stay a couple weeks after. But then I realized my passport, American passport, is going to expire end of this month. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I am currently without a passport because I had to mail it in the day I got here and hope that I get it in oh. less than two months. Oh, oh wow. Yikes. That would scare me. I'm trying to think. I, and I'm super curious because I sent for mine, lost it, I had to replace it. And I think it took them about six weeks, I think. But yeah, of course, I, that was pre-pandemic, and I'm sure they've got a backlog. Yeah, and that's probably the normal time, unless you pay to expedite it. And they want when a I, lot. When I found expedited. out, I called them, saying it's two to three months, unless you expedite it. Then they're saying four to six weeks. Oh, wow. So I had to okay. pay for that. And mm. We'll see if I get it in another month or so. Well, hopefully. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed oh, for you. That would be a little, granted, at least you're in Utah with family. So. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I don't get it. When I'm planned to go back the 1st of August, and then I'll have to change my flight and wait till I get it because I can't travel without That's true. transport. That's true. There's a lot of terminology you just threw out there. Go back because you were like Mr. Runner. You're, you're one of those like crazy runner people like Josh. Like Josh or- a, a lot of our friends and crowd we know, but we also have a ton of people that are not in the marathon. Mm-hmm. I just listened to your episode that you did with Coach Blue for addict athlete you were talking about the ultra marathon which i didn't know was a thing until then and i was like oh my gosh i've just always thought of it as all just marathons yeah and what you were describing was like a whole nother level so let's let's actually step back in time because we have a lot of folks that don't know you true that that don't listen to addict athletes so how did you get into running when i was a kid i grew up as a swimmer 
me and my siblings all swam. My mom put us in the pool and wanted us to learn how, and we enjoyed it and did swim team all the way up through high school, competed you know, at the state level championships and all that. Oh, wow. Was a lifeguard, taught swimming lessons, did all that stuff. And then into my early adulthood, I just found out that I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't swimming anymore, and I didn't have any other outlet for like physical activity. You're in school and working and get married and have kids. And by the time I was in my mid-20s, I was, you know, 20, 30 pounds heavier than I was in high school. And I just didn't like it. I'm like, this is weird. I've always been so active growing up. And so I wanted to just kind of get back in shape. And our our dad, he was was always a runner. He did triathlons, ran a lot of marathons when we were little. And I never realized, like, what that really was like 26 mile marathons he'd do them all the time i thought he was just doing these little runs <laughs> and i remember we like i did a few of those 5ks or one mile runs for kids when i was little but i didn't you know train for them and didn't really like running because it was hard and would rather be in the pool but uh my younger brother decided out of the blue he wanted to run a marathon with our dad <laughs> and so you know now i'm in my mid-20s and i learn what a marathon is and I'm like you're not you can't run 26 miles <laughs> and he signed up for the St. George Marathon ran it with my dad mm. finished it and I was like wow that's impressive because I've trained for a marathon <laughs> I've still not done one because they canceled them because of the pandemic but that's yeah. impressive uh, so I uh, and so here's how it really got started so that year that my brother was training he had signed up for the Hobble Creek Half Marathon which was a I don't know a month before the St. George Marathon. And then he couldn't go. And so he jokingly said, well, why don't you go run with that? Just take my, I already paid for it. Take mm. my bid number and go run it if you were me. I, I hadn't even been running yet, but I'd already had in my mind, like if he, if my brother finishes that marathon, like I'm going to have to do it if my little brother can do it. <laughs> so I, I took his invitation and said, all right, I'm going to go do this half marathon. <laughs> I hadn't even been trained for anything. But I thought, well, worst case scenario, I just walked the whole thing. And then I can say I did a half marathon. So I get up there with my dad, ride the bus up Hobble Creek Canyon. There's all that excitement in the air. There's like a thousand runners. They've all trained for it. And I'm sitting there like super (laughs) nervous, but kind of excited. And the gun goes off and we start running. And I'm running with my dad. And first couple of miles, it's nice and cool. And Mm. you don't realize how far it's going to (laughs) be. And after about... I don't know, a mile, two miles, maybe. I'm looking around thinking, all right, I want to start walking, and but nobody's walking. And I didn't want to be the first one to start walking, so I kept running, kept running. And by mile four or so, my dad starts getting ahead of me, and I'm slowing down a little bit. And I get to mile six, about halfway. I've been running the whole time. And I could still see my dad off in the distance, and I thought, I'm going to try to catch up to him. Let him know I ran this far, and then I'll walk the rest of the way. So I caught up to him. We got some water at the aid station right there, and he was surprised to see me. And, and then after that, there was a little more downhill, so I just kept running with him again. And next thing I know, I just I ran the whole thing. Holy cow. And it was around two hours, a decent time. But I crossed the finish line, and I literally kind of passed out. I didn't lose consciousness, but I lost my vision. I don't know what that was about. I had to lay down. I couldn't see. I think it was all the blood rushing up from my legs into my head or something. I could hear everything and it kind of freaked me out. And then my vision came back and looking around going, wow, I did it. And it was awesome. Like 
and then I couldn't walk. And Blue can tell you this story, but I, for like two or three weeks, I could not even walk. I lived in an apartment in Orem on the second floor and going up and down oh. the stairs. Oh it gosh. was the hardest thing. And I remember telling myself, like, I by that point, I, I knew if he, my brother, finished the marathon that a year later I would want to do it. And after finishing that half, I was like, okay, I don't ever want to feel this pain again. Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to, I need to train for these things, right? So I decided right then that I would start training for, um, to do the marathon a year later so that I wouldn't have to be that sore ever again. That's really how it started. And then he finished the marathon. I was there to watch. I got more inspired. And so I kept training for a year and went and ran the St. George Marathon. I think it was in 2000 was my first marathon. Wow. I didn't realize it was that long ago. Wow. Impressive. 20 years. Yeah. And Blue ran it with me. My brother and my dad, we all kind of, you know, ran it together. And then I finished it in four, just over four hours. And I was totally fine and happy with it. And I probably would never have run again. Like I crossed that off, didn't think I'd do it again, except that when you're a runner and anyone who's out there who's done a half marathon or even a marathon, and you know that that four hour mark is a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's what um, I've heard. It's because, I mean, you can, you can do a marathon and most marathons have a cutoff of six, six and a half hours, even seven, uh-huh. which is an average pace of a good walking pace. You can, you can walk the 26 uh-huh. miles if you don't stop a lot. But you get to that four hour mark and to go under four hours, like you have to run most of it and have a pretty good pace if you're going to go under. If you go under three hours, I mean, you're getting into the elite stage. You know, you got the elite runners that are going close to two hours. But I just was like, man, it's four hours and four minutes. So I started doing the math in my head after I finished. Like if I just would have run each mile just a few seconds faster, that's all. I could have gone under four hours. So I convinced myself I'm going to have to do it again. So I trained for a year again, went back, did the same St. George Marathon, and I went five minutes slower. And it just kind of devastated me. I was like, what? I've been training now for two years, and it, I went slower. So that just kind of ate at me. I was like, nope, I'm going to do it again. Third time's a charm, and then I'll be done. That third year, I was really getting into liking it. Like, it was like every day I just enjoyed going out for my runs, and I trained a lot better. I had dropped a lot of weight, and so my times were getting faster. I was doing more 10Ks and half marathons. That third year, I go back, and I ran it, and I took off like 30 minutes. I went like 3.42. I only remember because I beat my dad's best time by like one second. Hey, one second is still, you yeah. beat him. You beat him. And, uh, and so that was my third year into this world of running and i just was kind of addicted to it i guess mm. it was just part of my my lifestyle i really enjoyed the atmosphere and the people and pushing myself and being that it, an individual sport you know in high school i swam uh, i also played soccer but i wasn't really big into any of the other team sports and swimming was always one where it's all mm-hmm. up to you you push yourself you go you're as good as you want to be mm-hmm. you're not depending on other team yeah. players you know to win the championship if you want to go to the state championships in swimming you have to put do in the work and yeah. do it yourself and running was kind of the same thing it's like i could do whatever i want as much as i want and set my own goals and my own times and i realize it's, it's kind of relevant if you're running you know, whatever your time is for a 10k or half marathon just don't compare it to anyone else just compare it to the clock and what you think you can do so that's how i got started and i I just did a lot of road races, you know, from the 5K up to a marathon. 
for five years, and I had never heard of an ultramarathon at this point. I had no idea. And then my younger sister, who was a firefighter, MT, she worked for the city of Orem, and a guy she worked with was into these ultramarathons. And uh, he found out through her that I'd been running a lot of marathons and stuff, and so he told her, you should tell your brother to come sign up for this Squaw Peak 50-miler up in the mountains. So she told me about it, and I was like, what? <laughs> 50 miles up in the mountains? And it, it intrigued me like running the marathon did. Yeah. Like I had this big question mark in my head. I wonder if I could do a 50-mile race. And so I started training more. I did more miles, but I, I wasn't hiking. I didn't run trails, and I just thought I just need to do more mileage. Mm. Showed up first Saturday in June that year. It was probably 2005 or 2006 to do this 50 mile race and I'm all excited and pumped and start like four in the morning, run down a, a Provo Canyon. It starts at Vivian park, run the first couple miles on the paved trail, the river trail. And then all of a sudden you get off that first two miles. You're just running like it's a regular race. I'm mm -hmm. like, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden you get on the Bonneville shoreline trail, which yeah, is a single nice. track trail. And you start hiking up the mountain up the behind squat peak. Oh my gosh. And for the next five miles, you literally climb like 5,000 feet, I think. You get up to almost 8,000 feet above the valley, above sea level. And I was like, this is insane. Because I was uh, just sweating to death. The sun wasn't even up yet. It wasn't hot, but I was just dripping sweat. My back hurt because I, I wasn't used to hiking that much, you know, straight up the mountain. Yeah. And by the time I was up like mile seven or something, I was like, wow, this is going to take all day like i'm not gonna this isn't just to go out and run for a few hours like a marathon you're done in four or five hours and you're done it's like this is gonna take a long time kept going then you run down into hobble creek canyon and you're about halfway i'm like i'm only halfway and i've already done a marathon this is so far <laughs> then i had this problem where i got so dehydrated i wasn't urinating at all and if you've ever run a marathon you know you have to hydrate a lot because you're, mm. you're gonna oh, yeah. sweat out I a lot that, yeah. doing an ultra marathon is even more so because if you're not taking in the right amount of, of water, I mean, lots of bad things medically can happen. Apparently it did with me because the first time I thought I could needed to go pee, it was blood. Oh, geez, your so, kidneys. Pure blood. And, then, and I felt fine, but I thought, what is going on? Am I bleeding internally? And I stopped at the, that aid station, drank probably two liters of water before I left. Kept going another five or six miles and I still couldn't urinate normal and then I got to another aid station mile 33 and there was a nurse that working at that aid station explained to her what was going on and she's like yeah you might want to call it a day here because the next wow. the next section if you leave this aid station it's nine miles it's the longest section between aid stations it's the hottest part of the day now in the afternoon climb to the highest point of the race over 9,000 feet up to Windy Pass Gosh. And she's like, everyone gets dehydrated in this section. And if you're already this bad, like, it could just be bad news if you keep going. So I took her advice, and I was obviously worried, and I had to drop out. Very first ultra marathon, I didn't finish. Got a ride back to the finish line, and when I got there, finally, like, all the water I had drank that whole <laughs> time finally started going through. But do, doing that DNF, it's called a did not finish right. the race. That just kind of drove me to want to go back and do it again. Kind of like the first marathon. It's like, oh, I could have gone under four hours, and I tried again. I 
did worse. I was like, okay, I got to do it again. And so I told myself, I'm going to be back. Now I know what this type of race is like. I've got to train better and different, be ready for the mountains and get out there all day. I can only imagine. And, and I grew up in Wyoming, which is a ways up there too in the mountains. I don't think we, we have a lot of folks that are, don't live up here that live Correct. California, more and more coastal, lower elevations. The higher you go, the tougher it gets. Yeah. I can only There's imagine how much with that climbing. Yeah. Messes you up. And you start swelling up in your hands, you get the lightheaded feeling. Yeah, get dizzy. I believe that. Yeah. You start seeing spots sometimes in your eyes. And, and then when you're dehydrated, all that is. But yeah, I went, so I went back a year later and did the race and finished it. And, oh, good for you. Oh, I just, I loved it. The, the people that did those races, it was just a different world outside of the regular road races that I was doing where it's very competitive and who's going to cross the line first. <laughs> and then you get your, you know, whatever place you get in your age group category in ultra marathons for the most case, it's everyone against everyone, but no one really cares. It's just, we're all there to finish to finish the distance. Yeah. And there's no age group category. It's not even men categories and women. It's like someone's first, whether it's a woman or a man, it's just, they were first they overall. Were first. That's it. it doesn't mm. matter if they were 30 or 60 years old. It's just, you know, they do the rankings first, yeah. second, third, do the last one that finished, but everyone's out there to help everyone finish the race because they've all had a dnf before oh well, they yeah know how hard it is and so you know, and you get people at the aid stations that are into that kind of sport too and they've done some races and then they're volunteering and they see you struggling and they start giving you tips you need to drink some pickle juice it's got a lot of sodium that'll help and oh and then it ends up saving someone's race i've heard that about pickle juice actually see i hate pickles i couldn't do it uh, see, oh. i love them because i i used to get leg cramps pretty bad just because of my med some medication I was on. And that's what my doctor told me. Drink pickle juice. Yeah, it, it works miracles. Yeah. Um, and then after that, yeah, I just kind of wanted to do more of those races. I started researching and found out about lots of different marathons all over the country, all over the world, all over Utah. And this was, you know, 15-something years ago. And... And the sport was pretty small. It's, it's grown a lot. Oh, yeah. I it mean, seems to me it has. There's so many races I've never even heard of them. But back then, like, I ran almost all of them that were around at the time. Uh, there's one out on Antelope Island called the Buffalo 50-miler. Oh, I didn't kind know of about cool. that one. You run around the island, do 50 miles on the trails with the buffalo. Um, there was one I did in Moab, which is cool. But it was like a five-mile loop. Of trails and you just run for 24 hours and see how many loops you can do 24 hours 24 hours <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. my legs just hurt hearing that <laughs> my goodness uh, there's another awesome one called the bear 100 that starts in logan and finishes at bear lake oh yeah um, that so, would be a pretty run i think yeah, it's beautiful and yeah super hard i mean the I elevation oh, that's insane we're pretty blessed here in utah mm -hmm. with the terrain that we have available everything from like you're saying moab up mm -hmm. to if you haven't been up to the logan area northern utah beautiful and bear lake is kind of unique it sits on the idaho border yeah. utah border yeah uh, it's it's a, it's a lake, really it's cool recreation yeah. area yeah utah has very diverse terrain Got the whole desert thing going on. Then we have the beautiful mountains, and it, I love it. Yeah, it's it's all amazing. There's another race when I was first trying to do my first hundred miles race. There's a guy who was starting uh, a race called the Pony Express 100. So it's out in the West Desert. 
Um, you run out past Dugway and mm-hmm. Fish Springs and clear out to, I don't remember the names of all the places, out in the middle of nowhere. But oh, it's yeah. beautiful Yeah, the there. Pony Express Trail is really cool. Yeah, you see wild mustangs running around. Oh, yeah. And coyotes and stuff. So um, that was, yeah, my first attempt to do in 100 miles, I was, I got to mile 93. I think Blue talked about this in the episode. And I, I was just, I was done. I hadn't done anything more than 50 miles. And like to go seven more miles in my head at the time, at the moment, it seemed like another hundred miles to go. I believe that. I told my support crew that were out there with me. My brother was there and I said, I'm, I'm done. I, I can't, I can't go anymore. I think back to high school. My mother worked for a doctor in there that was huge into scouting. And he took me down to Philmont Scout Camp. Usually to go once in a lifetime is a big deal. Because uh, it's very, very limited in northern New Mexico. It's not what people think about when they think about New Mexico. It is very much same train here, but mm-hmm. it's kind it of is. that going up and down and all around. And I think, okay, we did 50 miles and I think it took us five days of hiking. And you're doing that in one shot. Yeah. So with, with like 100 miles, it, how long does it take to typically do that? Yeah. Obviously, it depends on the train, the climate how much elevation because that all factors into what your average pace is going to come out to be but most hundred mile i'll say trail races or mountain runs have a cutoff of either 30 36 hours uh you'll have the winners doing it in under 20 Um, a lot of a lot of people shoot for 24 to 30 hours and and then you have your 100 mile races that or just on the road or, or on a track or something where it's just flat and you can just run a faster pace. Oh, you, like, I think the world record was just set at like 11 hours, oh my gosh. which is like six, seven minute mile pace. For That's 100 amazing miles. to think people can do that. The mindset you've got to be in to get yourself to that point just amazes me. Like, I feel like we're all capable of it, but getting yourself there is a different story for sure. Yeah. The, the, I mean, it's, it's not like when you go do a, a half marathon or a marathon, you get to that point where you're tired and you walk a bit and it's not, it's a few more miles and you're going to get to the finish doing a hundred mile race or more. It's like, you're going to have downtime. You might sleep for a couple hours. You might stop at an aid station and have a full meal because you've burned 10,000 calories during the day and running low. And you might end up using an hour of the race just so you can get calories in you. You know, you look at someone doing a hundred miles and, and they finish the race. Oh, they they only average like twenty minute miles. Well, that's an average of the whole thing. They maybe they had four hours. They weren't even moving anywhere. Like they were literally just getting massages, taking a nap, getting some food in them. The first big race that I did was the Brazil 135, and that was in 2008. It's 135 miles in the mountains of Brazil, and I went down by myself. Most people have a support crew. I couldn't afford to pay for a bunch of people to go with me and follows why I did the whole race by myself. You know, some small towns, you go through the mountains and there's lots of towns and I speak Portuguese and so I could, you know, get around and buy food and water and whatever I needed when I needed it. And it had a, has a 60 hour cutoff for that race. And I finished that year. I mean, it was insane to think about because when I got to close to the finish, I knew, and I have a, a video on, not even on YouTube, I can't remember the site to find it where I, I took pictures and, and this was before iPhones. So I carried a camera with me, a little Nikon or whatever, took pictures and some low quality video, like a little documentary of this whole thing. And you can, there's this part where I'm, I'm recording myself 
a second night and have like 13, 14 miles to go. And I'm, you can just tell I'm by myself. I'm out of it. I don't even really know where I am. When I had a couple miles to go, I knew I had a couple miles to go because I knew where I was on the map, but I didn't have like a Garmin to tell me exactly where, I, how many miles I'd gone. I just knew that I was in between the last two cities in the finish line. I'm going down the mountain and it's like three in the morning, four in the morning, maybe. And I know I'm getting close. I hadn't seen anybody oh. the day before, really. There, oh there, my gosh. There, there was 40, 41 runners that year that had started. And, you know, I leapfrogged with them the first day and then everyone gets spread out and I just didn't see anyone. And I got to the point where I was getting delirious. I started hallucinating. I thought I was in a treasure hunt. I don't know oh why. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize it was a race. I thought I'm supposed to be finding some kind of treasure and I want to be the first one to find it. And next thing you know, I'd kind of snap out of it and I'd wake up and I'd be looking through the bushes on the side of the trail for whatever it was. And then I would remember where I was. I got to get to the finish line, this town called Paraisopolis. And then I keep going, keep going. And it got to the point where my mind was just imagining all kinds of stuff. And I thought, I wonder if this race was all set up just to, like as a joke, <laughs> we're going to pretend this is a race. We're going to have all these people show up. The race director is going to have everyone take off running and then go home. And we'll see how far this gringo will go. <laughs> and I really thought they're just going to let me go for days and days. Because I, I knew I was, I was close enough. I should see the, the lights of the city that I was getting to for the finish line. And I couldn't see anything. And all of a sudden I heard, hear a voice in the dark. And I think it was some farmer. He was going out to milk his cows or something. Really early in the morning. And he asked me in Portuguese, hey, where are you going? And I said, I'm trying to find Paraisopolis. Like at this time of night? <laughs> and I told him about the race and stuff. And he's like, oh, it's only like four more kilometers. Like two miles. I'm like, where is this city? It's, a, it's not a big city, but it's a city. And I just didn't believe him. Like, this is a joke. And sure enough, about another mile ahead, he go around the bend. And then there it is. the side of the mountain moves. And I can see the lights. And because it was still dark early in the morning. And I finished like. 536 in the morning and uh found out that i was the first non-brazilian six people had finished they were all brazilian uh, there were several people from other countries there was three americans me and two others and they said i was seventh i was like i thought i was dead last and i thought everybody was like done and gone home and and everything um so that that's went, not bad because you were stopping <laughs> your treasure hunting yeah treasure hunting and everything holy cow yeah that's so it was amazing 45 hours and change and kind of changed my life from there because then I got accepted into the Badwater Ultra Marathon, which is in Death Valley that I'm going to next month to help another runner. And that one's like, like really well known. Like the one in Brazil, most people don't know about it unless they've really been into the sport and they hear about some of these crazy longer than 100 mile races. But the one in Death Valley, for anyone who does ultra marathons, they've heard of Badwater Ultra Marathon. And it starts in the middle of Death Valley in July when it's Temperatures are easily up to 125 or hotter. Yeah, me, that seems insane. And it's a 135-mile foot race that starts at the lowest point in the continental U.S. It's right at a place called Badwater Basin. And if you've ever driven through Death Valley, go out to Furnace Creek, take a left for 17 miles, and you get to this the lowest point. It's 282 feet below sea level, and it's just a desert, and it's just extremely hot. So you start there, and then you run 135 miles through the national park and you get to a little town called Lone Pine, California, which sits at the base of Mount Whitney. 
which is a, an amazing, beautiful mountain. And then you have 13 miles to go up oh to, to the to the end of the road. And you get to the, the end of the road there where the trailhead starts. For people who summit Mount Whitney, you have to get a permit and you hike another 11 miles to the top of the mountain. But the race finishes right there at the Whitney Portal. That just in case you want to hike up after? <laughs> <or>? <laughs> yeah, and, and some people do. I mean, that race, originally it started because a guy named Al Arnold 30, 40 years ago came up with the idea that you could run from the lowest point in the continental U.S. to the highest mountain in the continental U.S. Then 146 miles, if you count summit. Holy cow. And he I tried mean. it by himself, and it took him three years Three attempts to do it until he finished in like 72 hours or something. I, I'm still trying to figure out who thought it's a good idea to do it in July. Yeah. yeah and and that's, that blows my mind too. Why July? Why in the hottest time of the year? But it became this kind of subculture athletic event where people wanted to do it. And then it turned into a, a race where people from around the world started doing it together and see who'd be the first ones to get there. And then they get their permit and they hike to the top. Crazy. <laughs> that just blows my mind. Angela's got a new goal. I, I can that's, just yep, see it on it. her face right now. Starting with a personal trainer next year, ultra marathon. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> July. That, that, um, yeah. I could see like a fall or a springtime when it's nice weather. Yeah. It's hard to explain. It's just so hot. And you can't, you don't, you can't even sweat when you're out there because there's no humidity. When it's 125, if there's a breeze at all, it doesn't cool you down. It's even no. hotter. Oh, yeah. If you've ever been in a hot dry sauna and blow on your arm and it burns, it's just like that. The wind is even hotter. So. Oh, and in Death Valley with that. But even in Lake Powell, when we were down there, it was 112 one of the days we were there. And you'd want the wind to blow. But when it blows, it was hotter than like a dryer yep. blowing on your face. And it's like, no, stop blowing. Stop blowing. It hurt. Yep. It actually was horrible. Uh, it's a chunga hearing him talk about the wind that they're having down in Vegas yeah, right well, now. Vegas and I'm just like, for that. Yeah. I'm good for now. I don't do Vegas in the summer. There's a reason. It's so hot. When you drive to Death Valley in July, you leave Las Vegas thinking it's hot, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. 110, 112, 115. It's a two-hour drive to get out to the Badwater Basin. And when you get to the point where you start going down and down and down, you watch the thermostat in your car if you have a di digital thermostat, and it, yep. it starts going up and up mm -hmm. and up. And we've done that when we've driven to, through there, and it's just, oh. Crazy, crazy stuff. I look and I see people actually live in that area, and it's just like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then you, go, you get out there, and there's this little place called Furnace Creek. It's a resort. There's a golf course, and <laughs> I can't imagine you get a lot of tourists that, that just want to go out there in July and spend a few days in the heat. Dang, I'm not one I, of them. I think those are lizard people. I, I think is what it is. Kelly, that used to help me with the events that we did at the depot and stuff. Oh, yeah. She is like a sun worshiper. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm the opposite where I'm like, you know what? I can always, you know, add layers in the winter. So I'm okay <laughs> with that. And she's like, nope, summer. Bring it on, baby. I'm like, mm. Yeah, I'm a fall person. I like that oh, in between. Yeah. What marathons do you have coming up? Yeah. That you're personally doing. You're helping with the one. Yeah, in California. Uh, the first, the, the only one I have really planned right now is in August, and it'll be when I'm back in Brazil. It is going to be a 66 kilometer race. It's about 40, 41 miles. And it, it's pretty cool. I, I, I did it a couple years ago. It, the, the course will be a little bit different, but the year I did it through, we had four river crossings. And that was only because they thought the water was only going to be maybe up to our knees, but it rained a lot you know, the week before. And we get out there, and it's like, neck deep like over your head deep so they had to set up ropes 
so we wow. could pull ourselves across the river and then keep going and oh yeah kind of very jungly not in the middle of the amazon rainforest but i mean it's tropical climate mid hot and it rains it pours in brazil so never know what you're gonna get i'm not a humidity person <laughs> living in houston for five years 100 degrees 100 percent humidity i was oh you just walked outside and you were just wet yeah. all the time yeah, I all mean, the time. I've only been back up here for two weeks, so all the runs that I'm doing right now, just you know, for training, and I go out and I'll run. I was just five miles this morning, and when I get done, I'm you know, my hat might be wet from my head sweat, and within five ten minutes when I'm done, I'm kind of dry and thinking, do I even need to shower? I don't know. Down in Brazil, <laughs> if I go out for an hour run when I'm in Brazil, like I'm dripping. Oh like yeah, I can wring my shirt out, wring my socks out. It's just insanely humid every time we see a picture you're running around and, and it's every day like it is <laughs> no true. joke every day i'm like does he do anything but run I, I i don't even think he sleeps most days i think it's awesome you're so passionate about it and that it's just a part of your life i just that amazes me and i wish i had that kind of mindset maybe you'll inspire me jerem <laughs> i, I hope so point. i mean I, I get a lot of messages from people that reach out to me and and i'm always amazed at people saying oh you're so inspiring and i'm training to do my first you know, marathon or half marathon uh -huh. and they ask for advice and stuff you know it's just one of those things that i i enjoyed it you know when i first did that first marathon and i didn't get the time i wanted i went back and i probably would have not run again but because i wanted to improve yeah. i did more and more and then it got to the point where it became almost like a lifestyle i just you know, it's hard to get out and get in, either go to a gym or, or spend the time to get find a pool, you know, because I grew up swimming. You think I'd be big into swimming. And I've done some open water swim races, like 5K swims at Deer Creek. Running is just so easy. Just put on a pair of shoes and go. You can do a mile. You can do three miles. You can do an hour or two. Uh, you go at your own pace. You can walk. And a lot of, and, and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't go out and just, like, run all the time. Like, I'll go out and run and walk. And, yeah look around and explore different streets of the town or find a trail I've never been on and take my phone with me and take pictures and kind oh, of do cool. document it. And by the time I get home and a lot of, a lot of times I tell myself, this is what I tell a lot of people. If they have telling me they have a hard time getting out and they do no more mileage. Sometimes I make myself go out and I'll just tell myself, okay, I don't know if I feel like doing 10 miles, but if I just go out and do five miles away from home, yeah. I have to get back. True. So I get out there five miles, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. Now i got to run home. I have five more miles to get back home. And I end up getting my 10 miles in. See, I like that. If I stay running around close to where I live and you know, in the neighborhood, and it's like, oh, I'm at three miles. Eh, maybe I can just go home. I'm tired. <laughs> so I usually end up running as far as I can until I decide I've got to go back. And then I double my miles that way. How many pairs of shoes do you go through a year? That's a good question. I've never, like calculated it all i know is i have at any given time 10 pair or more that i'm just always rotating through and then when i get a new pair i find the oldest run down ones that have holes in or whatever throw them away or donate them in good condition i was gonna say i've I, there's a couple of people i can't remember what i think it's instagram that i see them on that that they'll do running but mm -hmm. it's it's definitely not to your level it's they they combine it with like the gym this one guy is like nope 500 miles and and somehow he calculates out what five and he's like at 500 miles i get new ones okay that that's a very specific yeah, number but maybe when i first started running i would get like the one pair of shoes and just run them down to nothing and then get another pair of it eventually and it didn't take very long i realized like i like 
that's the one thing I can buy that I think is cool. Right. Like running shoes. And so you start buying the new ones or whatever ones you like. And then they have trail running shoes and road running shoes. And so I'd always have multiple pairs. And then I'm not running in the same pair every day, adding all these miles. So I can have a pair for two or three years, but they're only getting used. I mean, then just last week I did a trail run and my ultra lone peaks, I kicked a rock and it opened up. Oh, it started in the, that thing. That, that would have driven me nuts. <laughs> and I'd had those for probably two years and put a lot of miles on them. And, but I would have kept using them, but now they kind of broke open. So got, got me a new pair. My friend Soch, she's not so much a runner, but she loves to bike. And she's now like daring me. She's like, okay, no excuses. Mm. You, you're out of school. And I'm like, well, temporarily yeah. you need to get a bike. Yeah, I probably I'm, have one you can borrow, Ian. Yeah. I, I don't even know. Chris had noticed, but he probably wouldn't. You can have one of the ones hanging on the back wall of the garage. Just don't get these bikes that I've noticed since I came back from Brazil. I didn't even realize this was a thing. These bikes that have like motors in them. Okay. Oh, so I've seen those. I see them everywhere. And I'm like, they're not even pedaling. My husband has one. So what he uses it for, let's say you have a really bad burst of wind and you're fighting a really tough headwind and you're, you're pedaling. You just pedal for a second to get yourself propelling and then you're doing the work. So like the motor doesn't kick in the whole time. Yes. Some people only yeah, use the, the, the ones motor. I see <laughs> at parks because it's usually families yeah. and kids oh, yeah, or no. people post their videos. They're just cruising around. No. Like no. a little motorcycle. That, I'm like, that's not his. He just did that for days when, I mean... There's days when it's just a rough ride and you just need that little kick, but he shuts it off and lets, he does the work. I mean, he, he has a street bike, mountain bike, bike, two street bikes, actually, <laughs> like his just around the neighborhood bike with the grandkids. I mean, a so many. The a bike, bike for all occasions. He bought me a really nice one, probably five years ago. And it sits hanging on the garage wall. <laughs> I think I've ridden it like four times. He would love it. He wants to do like this couple thing with the tandem bikes and all this stuff. I just, I don't love it. Like I keep trying it. I just don't love it. I'm sorry, dear. <laughs> I try really hard. Biking, for some reason, that motion drives me crazy. So I recommend everybody, how do they find you? Because I encourage people, if you want motivation, Instagram, this, this <laughs> especially, always see on their posting stuff. How, yeah. how do they find you? Instagram, just Search Jerome. I think it's Jerome underline Thurston. Okay. If you just type in Jerome Thurston, there's not a lot of germs out there. It is a different name Facebook, for sure. Facebook, just Jerome Thurston as well. Oh, I, I was going to say, I, I you're, you're kind of like us. Yeah. I have a Twitter account, never use it. I don't think I've used uh, my more than maybe 12 tweets total. I don't, I don't use Instagram. Yeah. I, I, I even remember when, when Instagram came out and my sister, Marissa, she was like, you got to get on Instagram. It's so awesome. And I'm like, but all I can tell is it's just people posting the same thing on Facebook and then on Instagram. No, I like Instagram. So it's like Twitter I was talking two, about. Two I'm places for the same thing. But once I started using it, I saw that it's, it's a little bit different. I, I think Instagram for... is a little better than Facebook. I, yeah. I think we've all gravitated towards the visual. Yeah. Uh, with it. You don't get as many political and other opinions yeah. posted all over Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, and then, then when the story started, I was like, I don't even understand what that is. But now I love that. I just yeah. post stuff that goes away in a, yeah. a day. And, and it's gone, and you don't have to worry about it again. And uh, I know my daughter-in-law's gone to that because she doesn't want people saving videos and stuff of her kids. So she just does the story so they see it quickly, and then it's gone. 
goes to her archive. She still has it, but no one else can access it, which is kind of a cool feature. But yeah, following, I mean, I, I get inspired and motivated by a lot of people that they even know. A lot of times I'll reach out to them and say, you know, I love that you keep posting that you're out running or biking or swimming because sometimes I, I mean, I have days I just think I don't want to go run today. I did yesterday or the day before. I can take another day off. And then I'll see someone post something. I'm like, ah. Oh, I need I to go. Yeah. And, and it just, <laughs> yeah, it sparks something in me like, oh, I can head out the door for a walk. And by the time I get out to start walking, then I start running. And then when I'm running, I start to feel good and get the endorphins. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, I end up doing a long run and I wasn't even planning on going at all. So. Yeah. I feel like I was on that track when I was training for the marathon. At first, I just, when they asked about your time, I knew I was probably going to end up walking most of it just because I'm not in great shape. And I find myself the same way I'd be out. And I'm like, well, I just walked four miles. Now I got to walk four miles back. Can I beat my time that I took going back. here going back? I feel I was on the right track and then pandemic. <laughs> I feel like I fell off that. So you kind of inspired me to get back to that. I do need to get back to that. Awesome. For sure. Get I, on it. I'm on it. Starting with a personal trainer. I'm going to be out doing it. I'll do the marathon next year. I still have a coupon good for any marathon because... They canceled it. So. So here's my challenge to you. Your birthday is September what? 18th. So how many miles are you going to run on your birthday? Ooh. Because you can train for it from now until then. I could. Okay. Your own little. I'm trying to think challenge. of a goal for me. Running or walking? Because walking, I can walk really fast, really Either. long. Just on foot. Okay. I'm going to go. Let's do 12 miles. Okay. I can do that. 12 miles, September 18th. <laughs> My husband's going to love that you challenged me to that because he will hold you to oh, that. Chris, Chris is you, uh, Mr. Will. Accountability. He is. So that's awesome, Jerem. Thanks. I have a goal. And I can't <laughs> wait to see you post about it. I will too. Every day. <laughs> she will. I'll tag will. you in it too. <laughs> well, we have Jerem. Uh, a, I'm so glad we could actually yes, connect because too. the last time you were up last summer, we were like, oh, we, we missed, missed him. <laughs> and like things started spiking and went a little crazy mm-hmm. last year. We're actually getting ready to uh, invite Blue on because we were going to do it last year and then things got crazy and you're the first of many. We're actually trying to pivot more into just guests and stories. Everyday people inspire people far more than just us talking and celebrities and stuff like that. Absolutely. Hearing people's stories is is awesome. It is. I I love it. It'll be very successful. If you get a chance, uh, you've been on Addict Athlete, one of our sister mm-hmm. shows on Which the Radio Rona Network here. And go check out, I, it was was it last week that you did that one or was that this week? Last week. Okay. Well, I, was, I, say, I thought it was a week ago. I think so. Yeah, think we recorded right. on Sunday and I think posted it on Monday. Okay. So. A week ago, yeah. yeah. Definitely go check out uh, the episodes that Jerem's on mm-hmm. Addict Athlete. I think you're a six-timer, if I remember right, what so, I heard. <laughs> yeah, that, there's some that were so old back when he first started doing some that I think he's lost and hasn't been able to recover, but probably five or six times. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Go check him out. Uh, you go into even more detail than mm-hmm. what you did with us. I honestly just get tired of hearing about these. <laughs> Me too, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, one day. I'll, I'll work you, on it. You'll get there. Yep. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you next week. See you next week.